Well, a little over a year ago, uh, 62-year-old John Bradrick um, received a, a really difficult diagnosis. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And if you know anything about pancreatic cancer, you know that it's a very, very serious disease. It's almost always uh, fatal. And he was given a year or less to live. Well, having received that diagnosis, John decided that he wanted to take the final year of his life and really enjoy life to the fullest. So he decided that he would quit his job. He sold or gave away almost all of his possessions except for a black suit and a white shirt and a red tie that he planned on being buried in. He stopped paying his mortgage payments and then he cashed out some of his retirement uh, investments and took his savings uh, account and began to just live high on the hog. And he decided that he was just going to eat, drink and be merry for that last year. And so that's exactly what he did. Dining out almost every day, taking very expensive vacations and uh, just had a blast that that year that he uh, expected to be his last. And uh, as the money began to run a little low and he'd been living this way for almost a year, he was still feeling pretty good. And so was wondering, you know, when he might expect to, to drop dead or, you know, when this thing was going to get really serious. So he went back to uh, the doctor that diagnosed him and went back just for a kind of a checkup to see how things are going and get a kind of an update on his physical uh, situation. And this time he got a really shocking diagnosis because John was told that his pancreatic cancer had been misdiagnosed and that he really just had pancreatitis, an inflammation of the pancreas that was not life threatening at all. And the good news was that he was going to have a second chance at life. But John wasn't quite as elated as the physician thought he would be. Because with his second shot at life, back from the dead, as it were, he had no money to live on. In fact, John said this. He said, I'm really pleased that I've got a second chance in life. But if you haven't got no money after all this, which is my fault, I spent it all. They should pay something back. And so now John is suing the physician that misdiagnosed him. Uh, and this just all happened in the last month or so, suing the physician in the hospital uh, because he thinks that they should pay him back for all of the money he spent because of the misdiagnosis. You know, some people are just never happy. Have you noticed that? I mean, back from the dead, a second shot at life, and he thinks he should have some money to go along with it. You'd think you'd be happy just knowing that you're not dying. But has there ever been a time in your life where... You really wish you could get a second chance at something where you wish that you could have a do over, as it were. Maybe for some people, just as school is ending and we're finishing, let's say, the final semester or quarter before uh, summer break. Maybe there are some students here that wish they could have the second chance at some of those exams that they took. Wish they'd maybe played a few less video games, maybe read the book a little bit more seriously, and, and maybe they could get a do over on some grades. You know, all of us from time to time wish that we could just try something again, you know, get a second chance at it because we know we would do better the second time than we did the first time. Maybe for some of us here this morning, it's a relationship that we, we really blew and maybe it was a, a good friend. But because of the way we dealt with them over a certain issue, a misunderstanding, the relationship 
is no longer. And we just wish we had a second chance to rebuild that friendship. And maybe if we could just do it again, we would do it right this time. Maybe for others of us, it's marriage that we wish we had a second chance at because uh, we really didn't do it very well the first time. Or maybe we're still married and things are kind of in a mess and we, we'd like a second chance to reestablish that relationship. But whatever it might be for us, virtually all of us in life mess up, make mistakes, disobey God, turn to our own way. And all of us can use a second chance from time to time. Some of us need a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. But we wish we could just do it over again. Well, the encouraging news this morning is that's exactly what Jonah teaches us this morning, is that God delights in giving us second chances in life. And not only second chances, but third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances, because he is the God of the second chance. And Jonah stands as a shining testimony to how God delights in giving his children second chances in life. You know, for Jonah, disobedience had led to failure. It had led to all kinds of pain and embroiled other people in life-threatening situations. But Jonah, in spite of his disobedience, in spite of his miserable failure, was given a second chance by God. And so I want you to turn with me this morning to Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Because God was able to take all of the disobedience and really put Jonah's life back together again and give him a second chance as a prophet. Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we read this. In fact, let's just start at chapter 2, the last verse of chapter 2, verse 10 where it says, Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Exactly what God had asked him to do the first time. And and from these four verses, I want us to see two principles. Two principles that we need to understand if we want to take advantage of the second chances God gives us in life. They're essential to understand if we want to take full advantage of the opportunities that God gives us to maybe correct some of the situations we've made a mess of or to get our life back on course spiritually. And the first principle that we need to understand is this. We've got to understand and be convinced that our failure isn't final. As Christians, our failure is never final. Though Jonah had deliberately disobeyed God, failed miserably and made a mess of his life and made actually a mess of other people's lives as well. God didn't write Jonah off as a total failure. He didn't just say, well, you've had your chance and now it's over, buddy. You know, I'm going to go use someone else. That's not what God did with Jonah. He wasn't finished with Jonah yet. And in chapter three, verses one and two, we can see that it says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. 
Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah went. Now, to me, it's very interesting here because I I just love this. God says to him exactly the same thing that he did the first time. Look back at at chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Here Jonah is right back in Joppa, and God comes to him with exactly the same mission, exactly the same message that he did the first time. And God speaks to Jonah a second time and says exactly the same thing. I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to declare to them my judgment is coming if they don't repent. Now, if it was some of us and if Jonah had failed so miserably and disobeyed so deliberately, I don't think many of us would be quite as eager to give him the same mission again to potentially mess up and fail at. At the, at the very most, we might scale it back a little bit, make it a little less important. Maybe we would entrust him with little baby steps, you know, to get back and to re-earn our trust. But that's not what God does. God comes back to Jonah with exactly the same mission, exactly the same um, command to go to Nineveh and do what he was asked to do the second time. And Jonah now gets a second chance to do what God had asked him to do the first time. See, Jonah's failure wasn't final. Just because he blew it the first time, God didn't write him off. He wasn't a second class spiritual citizen But God was patient and God used that as a teaching time in Jonah's life. That storm of disobedience, uh, of discipline that came into his life, uh, maybe Jonah actually learned something. And this time the response is a little bit different. You see, I think one of the principles that we need to understand as followers of Christ is that no matter how miserably we fail... No matter how far we might kind of slip or drift away from God, our failure is never final because our God is a God of grace and the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance. You really can't out disobey God's grace and his love. Now, that's not what we should be doing is testing how many times God is going to give us another chance and another chance. But sometimes I think we feel like we failed so miserably at something or we've messed up so bad and we're so filled with shame and guilt and a sense of failure that we don't think even God could put the pieces of our life back together again. We've messed up so badly. And I think that is just an absolute lie of the enemy to keep us from going back to God and seeking his grace and truly believing That he can use us again, no matter what has happened in our life. Think about Peter. Could you fail more miserably than Peter at a time when Jesus needed him desperately? And here Peter denies that he ever knew Christ or ever spoke. I mean, he's denying, you know, God in human flesh. And yet that failure wasn't final. God came back. Jesus came back to Peter and used Peter again and said, Peter, feed my sheep. Be a leader of the church, even though he had failed so miserably the first time. We have got to allow ourselves to believe 
that God is never, ever done with us. He doesn't just discard us or kick us to the curb that is like it's so common in our culture, in our relationships. Someone fails us once or twice, man, and we're ready to just wash our hands of it. We're not quite as gracious as God is. And as a result, I think it makes it very difficult for us to forgive ourselves and to allow God to use us again or to give us that second chance. Again, maybe for some of us, it happens to be in a a marriage relationship that we've allowed to 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 get really bad. And now we're just, you know, on the verge of splitting up or something. And we think that we messed up so bad that it's, you know, irrecoverable. But the reality is God can give us a second chance. God can provide the opportunity to put the pieces of that broken marriage back together again if we will play our part, as we'll see in just a minute. You know, maybe it is someone that struggles with alcohol or or drugs and and you've really tried to overcome that addiction and you've done real well for a long period of time and then you fall off the wagon. And you feel like, oh, the shame, the guilt. How could God keep working with me? How could God give me another chance after I failed time and time again? But, you know, isn't it true, if we were to be really honest, that all of us have areas in our lives where we fail time and time and time again? And I think sometimes we fail so much in certain areas that we think, Man, God just must be so disgusted with me. And yet God, as a loving Heavenly Father, is only too eager to give us a second chance. If we will just come to Him like Jonah did, recognize our disobedience, recognize the mess that we've made of our lives, recognize that only God can put it back together again, and really come to Him honestly, with humility, And allow him to give us that second chance at life. You know, on a Saturday night in 1972, a 17-year-old kid by the name of Sherman White got himself into big trouble. He and some buddies broke into a man's house, Clifford Muttum's house, uh, and they ended up murdering him. And Sherman, at 17 years old, was convicted of the murder and was given uh, a life sentence, again, without parole, without the opportunity for parole. Well, as a result of some testimony during the trial and stuff, uh, they changed that and said, well, we'll see after a certain period of time about the possibility of parole since you're so young. But once he got into prison, Sherman ended up going to a Bible study and coming to Christ and becoming a Christian. After 28 years in prison, the man that he murdered, uh, Clifford, his son, Ed, came to visit him at the prison and after 28 years came to the prison specifically to forgive Sherman White for killing his father and said, I just want you to know that I no longer hold it against you. I forgive you for what you've done. And and it just was amazing to Sherman after all of those years of carrying that guilt and that shame to be forgiven by the son of the man that he'd killed. It wasn't too many years later after that that he was actually given the opportunity for a parole hearing. And when they gave him the opportunity, the first person they talked to was Ed, Madam Clifford's uh, son, and asked him, what do you think? Do you think he should be released after killing your father after all these years? And Ed said, you know what, I think it's time. I think it's time that he uh, get another chance at life. 
And then Ed said to the parole hearing, he said, and if Clifford doesn't have anywhere to live when he gets out, I'd like to invite him to come and live with me. And Sherman White was absolutely dumbfounded that this man was willing to give him that kind of second chance at life. You see, God delights in giving his children second chances, regardless of how we mess up, regardless of how far we may have fallen. But there's a second principle we need to understand, and that is that it's our obedience that puts the pieces back together again. It's our obedience that God uses to, to bring our life uh, and the messes that we've made back together again. In fact, look at uh, verses three through four. Though God had given Jonah a second chance, only Jonah could take advantage of that second chance. God couldn't do it for him. And look what happens here in verses three through four. It says this time. Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now, again, I think it's very interesting here that Jonah could have just gone to Nineveh and say, well, gee, I know what happens when I don't obey. So I'm going to go to Nineveh, but I don't have to like it. And I'm certainly not going to jeopardize my life by telling them that, you know, 40 days from now and God's going to wipe you all out. Not a very popular message in a foreign city of arch enemies. But you see, Jonah decides that he's going to obey God this time. And so he obeys God and is committed in that obedience. It's not just superficial obedience. But he he goes to the city and then he does exactly what God has asked him to do. It's our obedience that God uses to put the pieces of our lives back together again. I think sometimes we just want God to do it all. Okay, God, I blew it. I'm sorry. But then we don't want to do our part of really committing ourselves to obedience to God. But if we want to take advantage of those second chances, then it's going to require us to engage in sustained obedience to God's commands and to a lifestyle of following biblical truth and doing what God has asked us to do in the first place. You see, I'm convinced that sometimes we don't maybe recover from some of these things because we don't want to do what God wants us to do. We still kind of want to do it our way. Yeah, we want a second chance, but we don't want to have to obey God to take advantage of it. And it requires us to stay obedient to God, sustained, committed kind of obedience. When it comes to putting our marriage back together, we can't just think that it's going to happen in two days or a week. And if things don't get better, well, see, it's not working. You know, he's still very, you know, ornery and she's still very pugnacious. And, you know, it's just exactly the same. Well, it takes time and we've got to obey God over a sustained period of time if we want him to put that back together again. And we've got to commit ourselves to doing things right and following his commands in the Bible and living that as a lifestyle. When it comes to overcoming some of those addictions in life, we we have to commit ourselves to obeying God. And sticking with it, even when things might not change after a month or two months, sometimes it takes a while for us to recover from the messes we've made in life. And we've got to be committed to that obedience. It's kind of like uh, antibiotics. 
You know, you get sick, you have a sore throat and you're coughing and you're hacking and you go to the doctor and he says, oh, what you need is you need antibiotics. You've got an infection. And so you get the antibiotics and then you go home and you start taking them. And a day later, do you feel better? No. You're going, boy, these things must not work. You're still coughing. You've still got a sore throat. Three days later, you could possibly still be feeling a little bit sick. But what does a doctor always say when he gives you antibiotics? Take the whole bottle. Even after you start feeling good, finish all the pills. Because that's how antibiotics work. They work over a sustained period of time. And you've got to keep following the instructions and doing what the doctor has asked you to do. And then the antibiotics have their long-term effect and they heal your body. And it's exactly the same when it comes to obeying the word of God. It's not just a quick fix like that. When we've messed up our lives and we've gotten ourselves into trouble or we've drifted away from God or whatever it might be in our lives, we've got to realize that getting back on track, taking advantage of that second, third, fourth, fifth chance that God is giving us is going to require on our part the glue of our obedience. That's what God will use as a catalyst to begin putting the pieces of life back together again. And sometimes it's not going to be better after just a a, a few weeks or a few months. After all, it was our sustained disobedience that maybe got us in that place. And now we've got to begin obeying God and allowing him to do his work without losing hope, without getting frustrated, without getting impatient that things aren't happening quick enough. You know, when I was in, in Omaha, my dad uh, gave me an, an amazing gift one Christmas. Uh, he started carving as a hobby. And the very first thing he carved was a bald eagle. And it was out of a solid piece of wood. He carved this bald eagle that was sitting on this tree stump out on a limb. And, and it was just a beautiful piece of carving about, you know, about this big. I mean, it was just amazing. He carved every little leaf. He hand painted it. I mean, the stump looked like it was. I mean, it was just an amazing gift. And when I got it and I looked underneath the the statue, my dad had written to Sam for the Christmases of 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. I mean, because it was that hard to do. I mean, but it was an amazing gift. And every time I saw that gift, I just thought of the love that my dad has for me. And all the hours he must have spent carving that amazing eagle. Well, because I was proud of it and wanted everyone else to see it, uh, I took it back to my church office and I set it on my desk, right in the kind of the front of my desk so I could see it every day. And so other people could see it and go, whoa, where did you get that? So that Christmas, that's exactly what I did. About a week or so later, I was stopping by the church on my way to a Super Bowl party and I went into my office and there was my eagle in a pile of pieces in the middle of my desk. I mean, I was absolutely shocked and angry. I couldn't imagine who would do such a thing. It was just laying there in a pile. And then I saw underneath the pile a little note that had been written from Aura Fugate, one of our senior citizens who cleans the offices and dusts. And she had accidentally knocked my eagle on the floor And it busted. And she said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. And I thought, oh, how am I ever going to put the pieces of this thing back together again? 
I tried Elmer's glue. I tried all kinds of model glue and, and nothing would stick because these branches, you know, hung out there and the eagle was sitting on this branch and it, none of the glue would hold the weight. Until finally, in frustration, I sought out a professional wood sculptor and took my eagle to the wood sculptor and said, is there any way that you can put this back together again? Is there anything that will work without having to put sticks in it and all kinds of things? He said, yeah, I think there's this one glue that just might work for this kind of wood and this kind of carving. And so he got it and started working on it. And within a few days, he got my eagle back to me totally perfect. You could hardly tell it had even been busted at all. But it required just the right kind of wood glue to put that particular statue back together. And, you know, the same is true for us. There's only one glue that will work when it comes to putting the messes of our lives back together again. And that is the glue of sustained, committed obedience to do what God asks us to do. Will it be easy? Of course it won't be easy. Will we always like it? No, we won't probably always like it. But it's the only way to take advantage of the second chances that God gives us is to Use the glue of obedience. You know, let me just share a couple of action steps with you this morning. And someone might want to, um, you know, do something this week that to, to really take advantage of the second chances that God is giving us. And the first one is just convince yourself that God wants to give you a second chance. In spite of the shame you feel, in spite of the guilt that you might feel, you've got to believe that God does love us unconditionally and we can never fail so many times that he can't put our lives back together again, regardless of what it is. And we've got to believe that truth of Scripture, that God is not going to just discard us. And to really drive that truth home, let me just suggest this week that you take some time to review the stories of Moses committed murder. Did all kinds of things. And that yet God came to him and used him to liberate the Jews from captivity in Egypt. Look at the story of the nation of Israel. How many times did Israel as a nation fail God over and over and over again? And yet God never gave up on them. Always gave them another chance. Sent the prophets and they killed the prophets. But God wasn't done with them and still isn't done with them. Think of David. And Peter and the Apostle Paul, a killer of Christians who continued to make mistakes after he came to Christ. You read Romans 7 and Paul says, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I hate, I do. What's going on with me? Even Paul struggled with failures and and making wrong choices. And yet his ultimate uh, answer was, praise be to God who forgives us in Christ over and over and over again. God gave them all a second chance and what he did for them, he'll do for us. But we've got to be convinced that he will and come to him in humility, in repentance, recognizing the mess that we've made and allowing him to give us that second chance. And then secondly, make a commitment to obey God with a whole heart. 
for a sustained period of time. Don't just think you can just kind of come and, and maybe start coming to church again and doing a few little things. You've got to find out what does God have to say about this particular area of life where you've been struggling. What are God's commands? What are his instructions in this area? And then start doing it. Over a sustained period of time. There's no magic bullet. There's no secret potion or formula. It's just the glue of obeying God with a whole heart. Not just superficial outward obedience. And if we will do those things, we will find out that our failures are never final. And that our obedience is the glue that God will use to put the broken parts of our life back together again. Let's pray. Father... We want to thank you that we have such hope in you. Father, thank you that no matter how badly we mess up, that you're always there just waiting to put the pieces of our life back together again. Father, I pray that you would help us to believe that you love us that much. And Father, I pray that you would empower us to obey you in all things, that we would discover what you say about those areas of life where maybe we've messed up and that we would commit ourselves to obeying you empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that so that we can enjoy life as you've designed it the life that you created us for a life of joy and fulfillment in Christ Father may that be true in all of our lives this morning And we'll give you great thanks for what you do in Christ's name. Amen.